Does everybody know what time it is? It's time to go to a crowded public place and touch lots of things other people have touched because we're going bowling. That's right. Don't strike out. That's baseball, and this is grunt work. I find a way to strike out at bowling anyway. (laughs) Improve the glass, but watch yourself. Improve the glass and show me what grunt working with. I came here with my ball in my hand. Don't make me leave here with my foot in your ass. Be cool. And don't worry about how I'm knocking these pins when I'm flipping and I'm kicking. That's just what we do here on Grunt Work, the only podcast about the TV show Home Improvement that thought we told you grunt heads before y'all grunt heads can't fuck with us. Do, do you have any messages for all you players and pimps? Like, is there anything that they should be aware of? As always, I am Landon Kingpin Solano, oh. joined always by my co-host Truman Headpin Caps. Oh. Truman, it's it's good to talk to you. Um, do you know the difference between a headpin and a kingpin? Uh, I'm gonna say no, except for that a kingpin is a movie, and that headpin is <laughs> not a movie. What is the difference? Uh, not yet. Uh, uh, the head. The head pin is the the number one pin. It's the one that is in front of all of the other pins. It's the you know the head of the triangle, if you will. The tip and of the spear, yes. The, yes. The king pin is the number five pin, and it's one of the uh, pins that is most left standing when uh, when you're bowling. So it's oh. um, you know you've got your head pin, which is the lone on its row, and then the row behind that has two pins. And then the row behind that has three pins. Mm-hmm. The the kingpin is the middle pin in the third row, so it's between the other two. So when you often when you think you're going to get a strike and there's one pin left standing, it's the five pin. And why and why is that? Is it because the the head pin has taken the brunt of the damage and like like slightly move <laughs> angled the ball in the other direction? Because like look, I I'm a sucky bowler and I often leave the kingpin standing, if not several yeah. other pins. This is why people curve their ball when they throw it uh, or try to develop a curve on the lane, because if you're throwing it straight at the head pin, the and I'm not going to pretend to know too much about geometry, but the way that the pins ricochet off of each other is more likely to leave that five pin standing rather than if you're coming at the head pin with a, a curved ball trying to knock the, the head pin and uh, the second row at the same time. Mm. So it's going to do more of a sweeping motion to hit that five pin. Oh, okay. 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 That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Back to the, back to the bowling alley on tool time this week. And by tool time, I mean home improvement and by (laughs) home improvement, I mean, I'm going out of order with the way we talk about things on this show. (laughs) A little bit, but that's okay. Uh, because we're not living in, in, you know, normal times. We can, we can start the episodes backwards if you want to. Uh, (laughs) Well, I don't particularly want to because I actually had something to talk about in the preamble this week. So okay, that hit c- us with it. That's where we're at. That's the section we're on now. Preamble. Hit me with a uh, preamble. Me real hard. Hit, hit me. Hit you with my best shot. Well, I. I mean, I, I. It might be something you want to talk about as well because yesterday you actually paid me a visit in the weird way <laughs> that we're able to, and it was. Yeah. It was kind of an odd experience that I think we both have to process, and <laughs> it was very. And, yeah, this is my note for the preamble as well, where I just wrote, we saw each other, kind of. 
<laughs> so to to describe to people the intricacies of my uh, apartment, which I now control all three bedrooms of, uh, it um, so it's you know an apartment complex with exterior corridors, and my unit is kind of. It, it one wing of the apartment complex kind of on its own. So the My only God, the way you're describing this makes it sound like your apartment is a mansion. I, well, you know what, Landon? I want to cultivate an air of kind of mystery <laughs> and luxury around my life. I want our listeners to think that I live in the Overlook Hotel. Um, <laughs> it's like I, the TARDIS. You just, you're a phone booth on the outside, but you're <laughs> a interdimensional space traveling ship on the inside. I've always been the caretaker. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, there's been the, the to get to my front door, you have to walk past the uh, this big window for one of the three bedrooms in my apartment. And uh, when this was someone's bedroom, it was they, you know, it was kind of basically everyone has to walk past this bedroom to get into the apartment. So now that it's and my the blinds office, have always been shut i've been to your apartment i don't know how many times i've never once even seen that room and the room faces your front door essentially <laughs> yeah it's like it, it would be this would be a terrible terrible like room to to actually live in and my heart goes out to my various roommates who have had to because like i you know for years of living here i will step out the front door to smoke weed on the porch and i am basically like you know someone can be in this room with the blinds drawn trying to watch tv probably trying to masturbate let's be honest there's been a lot of guys living in this room and and they'll be in here and i'm like six inches away from them on the other side of a pane of glass going like (coughs) or like i'm out there on my phone or like is that really any different though than like i have shared walls with the other tenants in my building and you know the walls are thin here i'm sure there's probably more uh distance between you and that window and uh, my headboard and the headboard of my neighbors. <laughs> yeah, but but the the wall is thicker. Like the glass is thin and not okay. very well sealed. But so yeah, it's a, this it's always been closed. Like anyone who lives in here has no privacy because anybody trying to approach the apartment yeah. has to walk right by. But now that it's my office, I have the blinds open all day to let in the natural light. So the other day, I'm here, you know, working in my office, and Landon stops by to drop off the microphone. And I had not, well, also I had not seen the text that he'd sent me that he was coming by, but, um, (laughs) so we were able to, we were able to kind of have a, have a a brief chat and a hangout, but it's like Landon wearing a surgical mask like he's supposed to and, and just standing on, with a mohawk, which I don't think you had seen yet. (laughs) I had not. I think I saw. Well, I saw you. We were on a Zoom call with some oh, with some right, bros yeah. a few nights ago, and I saw. I saw it. I think when it was fresh. But yeah, you with a mohawk, sunglasses, and a surgical mask, <laughs> standing on the opposite side of a pane of glass, and it was literally like if you've played any of the Fallout games that have come out in the past ten to fifteen years. Any any quest giver in that post apocalyptic RPG who is always on the other side, it was in a building that's inaccessible on the other side of a pane of glass. Like adventurer, I need you to get me six atomic rocket ships for my. <laughs> Except, I think I'm the quest giver because you're the one who's actually outside. <laughs> I, I'm traversing the wasteland. That's right. Basically, basically, yeah. Um, but it was a very. Like it was, it was both great to see you, and as I'm even as I'm uh, uh, even as I'm recording this, a person just came by with a with a delivery at the door. Thank you. Um, but <laughs> but uh, no, it was um, like it was both great to see you, but also everything about it was so weird that it almost made me sadder after the fact because I was it like, it was very bittersweet. Yes. Yeah, I I don't know. Like there, you first got there, and we both kind of looked at each other for a second. Like, wait, what? How, what happens now? Do I have to enable my microphone? How do I do this? 
I was expecting it to be kind of like a bank teller where you push a button and your voice gets really distorted through <laughs> some sort of microphone and I'm supposed to understand you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> Uh, and, and and you you steal one of my pens too. Like I send one through there so you can like sign the deposit slip. <laughs> Just and then you yank take... it off the uh, off the chain. You son of a bitch! Uh, how was that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. How how was that experience for you? Like I had it from one side of the glass. How was it on the other side? Uh, it was it was very strange. To a, I realized after I had left that um, outside of video, I think you are the first person I've seen. You know, I'm doing air quotes here, face to face. Yeah, uh, that I've known personally, uh, you know, I've been to the grocery store and, you know, I've walked around the neighborhood or whatever, um, you know, taking as many precautions as possible. But you were the first person in like two months that I've seen face to face. And it was very bizarre in that regard. And to, you know, be that close to you and not actually be able to interact with you in the the typical way was strange um it was just a a lot to process um yes but you know some good comes with the bad uh typically you know we don't live super close to each other so on a normal la day even on a weekend it would take me i don't know 30 40 minutes to get to you um and that's being you know uh (laughs) that's with luck that's 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 with luck yeah yeah uh i think even stopping to speak with you and getting back in my car and heading back to my neighborhood, I did the whole thing in under an hour. Fuck. <laughs> Which was like, this is never going to happen in Los Angeles ever again. It's it's really painful about the, like, A, the air is so much cleaner than it ever oh has God, been yes. in living memory. And B, you finally realize, like, oh, shit, things aren't that far away in this town. It's just traffic. Like, we were yep. actually way closer at, like, just knowing, like, we could, it could be this good all the time. Like, this <laughs> this was an option. We chose not to do this. And we're just getting a little t- oh. Much like in the same way that your friend can come by and stand on the other side of a pane of glass and wave at you, but you can't interact anymore, <laughs> we also can kind of, like, wave at the concept of a livable city with clean air and reasonable commute times, but it can never so. come to pass. Yeah. Yeah, it's all a fallacy. Um, but we're not here to talk about the current situation. <laughs> it was it was interesting and, and strange to see you all at the same time and uh, kind of re refilled my my energy of uh, you know hope for a social future, um, but we're here to talk about a little TV show called Home Improvement. I'm af- I'm afraid so. I'm afraid we are. My only other takeaway is that I do need to wash that window because it is quite dirty and every and um, yeah. I I was looking at myself more than you most of the time just because I couldn't. <laughs> inside of it that's not entirely due to the dust i mean it was just you know i was back reflected so i couldn't really see anything except my own reflection but uh so uh, yes so it was even more like a zoom call in which you are mainly looking at yourself and scrutinizing your own appearance for the entire time (laughs) exactly exactly okay it it was an analog zoom call (laughs) yeah well, so so really, and there's not a lot that I like about Zoom calls, but one of the things I do like is that you don't have to leave your house. So it like the one the <laughs> one good thing about Zoom calls is lost. Uh, well, actually, I'll take this time to do a little PSA. The reason that I had to leave my house was because my neighbor had left for the weekend, and um, uh, his smoke detector 
was going off the the Shame. low battery beep and it went from like Thursday night until Saturday afternoon and I was losing my mind a beep every 30 seconds and uh I just I had to get out of there before I murdered somebody I don't know who but so <laughs> the he, next person in my path would have died so he comes uh, straight to my apartment folks this is this is how you know <laughs> <laughs> always glad to have a visit from Landon I I took all the precautions, you know, you and I didn't actually interact, I didn't stop and talk to anybody, I didn't go anywhere, I just went inside my car, drove to you, dropped off a mic, got back in my car and drove back here, uh, and it was enough to save my sanity. I, well, I'm glad, I'm I'm glad on, on oh. for everyone. Yeah, and the PSA is, check your smoke detector batteries before you leave for an extended period of time. <laughs> particularly in these moments when uh you know you can't do anything about it like i was about to be elaine in that episode of seinfeld where <laughs> you <laughs> short out your neighbor's uh electricity just to get something to stop yeah and then i'm sure like the cat would have started meowing uh <laughs> in, in regards to that anyway uh that's neither here nor there we're here to talk about home improvement yes yes home improvement uh landon do you do you have a uh idea of perhaps a paragraph or some bullet points as to what we covered this week? Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. And so let's play our, our weekly quarantine game, Did We Watch the Same Episode? Um, <laughs> when Bud invites Tim and Jill to go bowling with him and his wife, Tim is thrilled at the opportunity to curry favor with the boss. He convinces Jill to skip a psychology lecture to join them, and when he learns that Bud is a sore loser, he convinces Jill to throw the game so Bud can win. Afterwards, Jill is angry that Tim expects her to sacrifice everything for his career, but when Tim learns that Bud isn't actually as sore of a loser as he thinks, he makes up for all of his boorish behavior by buying Jill some flowers and saying, I'm sorry, one time. <laughs> that sounds accurate, and that is what we watched. And it also uh... sounds like a few other episodes involving Bud, but that's ne <laughs> neither here nor there. Uh, do you want to g -g guess that title? Uh, I do want to guess that title. I'm gonna um, add sound effects to this every week since you won't let me do theme songs. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like it was a mutual decision that you weren't allowed to do sing, uh, theme songs anymore. The United sure. Nations passed a resolution, and it was binding for once. Yeah, on air it was mutual, but behind the scenes, when you broke my arm about it, you know, we're not going to talk about that. This is this is the next season of Feud on FX. <laughs> Feud, Truman versus Landon, R.E. colon, theme songs. Okay. Okay, enough yes. of this frivolity, Landon. Enough yeah. of this goofing around. We have some chalupas to win our Patreon subscribers, so I want you to do whatever you need to to get this title right. This should be, instead of the Chalupa Challenge, it should be the uh, COVID-19 vaccine challenge. Like the, all the, like, <laughs> the, like the scientists are ready to start working on a vaccine, but only if we get this right. Okay. Option one. Okay. Shake, rattle, and bowl. I like it. Thank you. I don't, I'm not, I don't love it. It doesn't work on multiple levels, but it's, it's kind of no. funny. Yeah. But it's a nice <laughs> play on words. I mean, I guess maybe in comparison to the actual title, I like it. Okay, good. Uh... Option two, Pinheads. <laughs> okay. That is also the name of the bowling team that they make on King of the Hill, I'm pretty sure. Unless it's <laughs> uh, the Simpsons joke from back when Simpsons was good. I'll get back to you on this. It's very okay. interesting. Um, <laughs> third option, the Pakistani Connection. <laughs> okay. Uh, not the title of this uh, TV show, but... Um... A movie that I would watch for sure. Yeah, it'd be an interesting movie. Um, and lastly, 
Jill goes on strike. (laughs) I like that one. You know, Uh, just labor organizing is important. Yeah, and I really empathize with Jill in this episode, but we'll get to that in due time. As opposed Um, to all those other episodes where we don't empathize with Jill. Yeah, but I I have specific experiences that put me in Jill's shoes uh, in this episode. Jill's bowling um, shoes. Um... I have a thing about putting my feet in other people's shoes. I like same with earbuds. I just don't. I won't do it. It's yeah, not not a thing that I'm ever okay doing. There are so many issues that I had with bowling well before society was like maybe we should be careful about germs. Like I'm, <laughs> I, I have yeah, a lot exactly. of hangups. Okay, uh, and I think we've discussed. Also, I just want to put out there. Because mm-hmm. this is not the first time the Home Improvement Gang has gone to a bowling alley. I'm pretty sure everything we're going to discuss about our feelings about bowling on this episode was this episode was discussed like three years ago on the last. That was back episode. in season two. We, um, we were we were so we were so young then. We can record me miss in person. The construction guys. We haven't seen them in uh, fucking forever. It feels like a season we haven't seen them. Even Pete hasn't been here. I don't think since the Super Bowl episode of season four. Yeah. So uh, I, I miss them. I'd rather have them over Bud, but I don't want to get too far ahead into our personal reflections. Yeah. Uh, I got to give you a hint for this. Give me a um, hint. And I'm trying to think of one. All right, I'll give you. I'll, I'll loft you a, a hint here. Ooh. So. Um, Think of the big football games. Yes. Uh, okay, so take that kind of naming convention and uh, uh, apply it to this situation, particularly with the characters involved. Okay. Super Bowl would be the obvious one, but would it be... Uh... Hmm. What is Tim trying to win over? Uh, he's trying to win over the, the boss bowl. Uh, no, I want to do one more guess. Uh, get, yeah, get, just promotion I bowl. Think, I think the ER game is going to be a really, really interesting one. So I don't mind lobbing you this one. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think like it's not pro bowl, promotion bowl. I think of the characters involved. The characters involved, well, there's Bud, there's Jill, there's mm-hmm. Tim, and there's mm-hmm. Jean, Bud's wife, mm-hmm. who we will meet presently. Mm-hmm. Um, couple Bowl, um, Marriage <laughs> Bowl. Uh, 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 uh. All right, I'm going to call it there. Um, <laughs> it's the Bud Bowl. The Bud Bowl. Oh. I should have given you a, a weed reference. I feel like that would have yeah. gotten us there a lot sooner. Seriously, dude, because bowl is also a weed <laughs> reference. Landon, come on, dude. Come on. Oh, well, this episode aired on March 5th, 1996. Directed once again, Andy Kadif has returned uh, the prodigal son. Yeah. returned to his baby. It's written Is that how by... the, that story goes? <laughs> I think so, yeah. It's written in the Bible. Okay. Uh, you can check it out, man. It just, it's right there. <laughs> have, uh, have you heard the good news <laughs> it was written by ruth bennett we know her from this season her cheat in mind and oh brother oh, uh, yeah. those are the episode the book club episode and marty uh uh getting a job on tool time right yeah that's uh i'm sorry i had to <laughs> no i i, 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 I like I, the hesitation because i think that uh, uh i like to put my my feet in the shoes of Farah, one of our patrons who is keeping track of our Marty count, just to <laughs> kind of tease her and like, was there going to be a Marty coming? Is there going to be a Marty coming? Yeah. And there wasn't. 
I, I feel like it helps to bring her to my level. I actually had to briefly <laughs> adjust my microphone, and I wanted to give it just a pause, but I didn't realize it was going to be a, going to be an exciting Marty situation like that. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. This this episode landed you. Uh, this episode. I've, I've you think? one. I've one personal reflection for this. Okay, and it's very simple. It's five words, and none of them are over uh, four letters. Okay. I do not like Bud. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of getting to, yeah, you know what, I think that's a good, that's a good reflection. I like that a lot. If I saw that in a mirror, I'd be happy about it. <laughs> now, which is, I find it frustrating because I really, I, I actually like uh, Charles Robinson as an actor. I think he he has a kind of like, I don't know, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, not a presence, but he, he has kind of a... a I don't know, uh, some sort of quality he brings along with him. I, they I had gonna faces say... then. <laughs> I was going to say dignity, but he doesn't really bring the dignity with him to this particular role. Yeah. Um, but he has something, some sort of presence he brings with him that I'm like, oh, okay, this is a, this is a professional. This is someone who's going to elevate things. But it's the way the character's written that I'm just like, I, fuck this guy. I don't want any part of him... I put him put him in the Benny camp. I just don't I don't want him around. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's like they've it's like a lab grown character who is who is designed to be unappealing in every way because it's like I I don't know. It's like in every episode that he's been in recently, he is both like mean and imposing and forces Tim to be even more of a dick to the people around him than Tim normally would be. Yeah. Yeah. And it brings out the worst in the show in my yes, personal opinion. Yes. Basically, which I, which I hate to say because I think that I like the, the actor and I, I, I don't know. I just think that it's not written very well. It's like a very uneven character. I also, I don't know, like, like his def biggest defining character trait is that he inexplicably hates Al, who is kind of the emotional heart of yeah. the show, who the entire fan base of Home Improvement clearly loves. So I don't know. Absolutely. I, I I don't know what they're trying to go for with it. Like, and the fact that Tim has to keep trying to impress this guy, and Tim is actively courting this guy, and that, and, and look, one of my personal reflections was I've seen this episode three or four times before because they keep showing us the whole oh Bud wants to do something. Tim moves heaven and earth oh, to do it. Yeah. And not then, something you remember as a kid, but just the 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 formula of the episode you've seen yeah. already. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Tim has to move heaven and earth to impress this guy, and then he winds up realizing he didn't have to go as far as he did. Uh, yeah. You know, but like I don't know. I, I just and even to the point that Jill calls that out in this episode, but I'm just I'm kinda like, yeah, I don't know. I guess I agree with your note. I, I agree, and we're in agreement, I think. <laughs> well, I want to mention, because he, he does seem to be kind of a proxy for Mr. Binford, who has, you know, since passed. Um, and uh, so I want to take a, just a little deviation for a second and mention um, that last night I watched City Slickers. Yeah. And two things of note in that. One, Mr. Binford is in it. Uh, which oh. is amazing. <laughs> Noble Willingham uh, plays um, uh, the guy who owns the ranch that uh, they're all going to to start to herd the cattle across state lines. He uh, is so, he's the one yeah. who employs Curly. I take it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and it's it's him and his wife. And the second that I saw the wife, I'm like, and you know, she's you know a, a cowhand just like he is. You know, kind of leather faced and you know uh, leather being out. 
Now, that she comes I, out <laughs> swirling a chainsaw, threatening everybody. I don't know if you remember. When's the last time you watched City Slickers? It, it has been a while. You know, I think, I, did they address that in City Slickers too? Was the legend of Curly's gold about the origin story of how he started <laughs> killing people with a chainsaw? Exactly, yes. Um, anyway, it's just, it's not the person that I, I pictured uh, Mr. Binford running off with when he, uh, when he left tool time. Um, the other thing is, there's a little montage before they, you know, start getting into the actual uh, work and training where they're all trying on different cowboy outfits. And there's an appearance of Hattie in it. What? Hattie? Billy Billy Crystal's putting on all these different cowboy hats and different styles to see what fits him best. And he puts on Hattie with this, like, grimace on his face. Like, this is a fucking ridiculous hat. And I'm no, not going to wear it. No, it's not. You respect Hattie, <laughs> Billy Crystal. That's why we don't let you host the Oscars anymore. <laughs> Host it, yep. Host the um, Oscars. Thank you, thank you. I really Dan McCoyed that one. <laughs> I thought it was fitting because a hoss is the name for a horse. Anyway, um, <laughs> you've been playing too much Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> I have very much so. A uh, hoss is another name for horse. <laughs> so City Slickers connections. Um, let's bring this back to home improvement. Were you done with your personal reflections? Uh, my I, my only other personal reflection is that I um I noticed that the boys subplots in episodes recently um have one thing in common and it's that they have a beginning and a middle and then they're like well that's enough <laughs> that's enough <laughs> and and they don't include Mark Mark has had yeah. like one line in every episode except for his one episode this season Mark could not have been Mark is in the opening credits for longer than he's in this episode and it's not even the same boy I'm pretty no, sure No it's not it absolutely is not Yes um all right well before we get into our actual episode let's take a moment to to thank some patrons You know what let's land and let's just do that because That's what I said uh, well, no, Landon, but you didn't say it enough, and I have to make it seem like it was my idea, because I don't want people to know that you are cueing me into these things, because I still haven't learned the format of our show. You you are an editor. You could cut me out. Uh, Landon, we have established that I am really, really bad at the one task I have on this show. <laughs> Folks, I want to I wanna thank the people who sponsor our show and make the shit that we do possible here. I want to thank Tara, and I want to thank John, with an H. I want to thank John. Without an H. I want to thank Tom with the two M's. You know who you are, Tom. And I especially want to thank Kirsty, uh, be, who has to hear these episodes being recorded and still, still has the decency to listen to them after the fact. <laughs> well, I would imagine at this point she has to listen to get the other end of the conversation. <laughs> Because she's only hearing your your recording of it. She's not hearing my end. But that should be a warning, though. Hearing my end, it's like, you know it can't get... It's like, it's like if she lived in a sausage factory and every day yeah. she watches the sausage get made and yet she still is going out and buying sausage and eating it. Like, that's that's just... That's commitment. Mm. So I realize, though, that it's kind of nepotism that I'm spending, spending the bulk of my thanking time thanking my girlfriend. So I'm going to go back through again. Tara, seriously, thank you. I really appreciate you contributing to our show. John with an yes, H. thank you. Bro, thank you so much, man. I appreciate yes, this. thank you. John, without an H, uh, I'm not going to call you bro, but dude, I really appreciate you uh, and your sponsorship and your support. <laughs> Sitting in them for bro. And uh, and uh, Tom with two M's, uh, dog, thank you. <laughs> really thank you for for uh, for uh, for for contributing currency to this this idiot circus that is our podcast. I cannot tell you <laughs> yeah. enough how much it means. 
uh, veto to veto? No. Uh, uh, pledge, pledge? I don't know. Fuck it. Landon, what are you that. doing? If you ha- <laughs> I'm having a stroke. Okay, well, that's, I wish I, I wish I could help you, man. Come to the window and I'll, uh, I'll call 911 <laughs> for you. Oh, my God. Um, great. So thank you all. We appreciate it. And uh, let's let's get on with what you're paying us to do. Uh, so yes. Not relinquishing our duties here. Um, let's get into duties. the crux <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> crux. <laughs> oh. Okay. So I'm just trying to reset the energy here, Truman. With, with a deep need... with a deep sigh. That's how you're trying yeah, to do it. Exactly. We set the tone so that we can raise it up. We can raise the energy, and it, it we are re earning every single laugh that we get when we reset the energy. Uh, I, I, I love it. I love that you're assuming that we're going to get any laughs with this. We open on tool time with a sliding yeah. glass door installation. <laughs> and the grunt creep is Garfielding uh, yep. to the window. <laughs> yep. Uh, complete with suction cups installed, which I actually had to pause to fully marvel at. Um, something amazing <laughs> happens in this tool time segment that I want to talk about. Oh, okay. Well, then let's uh, set the stage for them, and then we'll we'll talk about it. So. Yeah. They are installing a sliding glass door. Um, that's the tool time project of the week. And uh, what's more than that, they they say that you know, um, don't you just uh, find it annoying when you leave? You know, say you're coming in. This is my my language now. Uh, <laughs> you have a family picnic in the backyard, and you're bringing in all the potato salad and the things with mayonnaise that uh, are going to spoil in the sun. So you want to uh, bring it all in before it goes bad. Took a lot uh, of liberties. Leave- you're going to leave the <laughs> sliding glass door open when you're walking through to your kitchen. Uh, ain't that annoying because all of the insects and uh, insurance salesmen come in. Yeah, huge. As someone who, who both of my parents have worked in the insurance industry at one time or another, I, I took deep offense to this. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so in order to in order to rectify that situation, they've installed the Binford Slide Master, which automatically closes the door after you walk through it. Um and they demonstrate it, and it does that, and it gets enormous applause from the audience, as though they've just I, performed I, I, open heart surgery. I thought it was kind of a, an ingenious invention, to be perfectly honest. I liked it quite a bit. Maybe I, not for the sliding glass door, but at least for the screen door. Yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly a good idea. Like, just a thing that, like, pushes it shut ten seconds mm-hmm. after it's been opened or something like that. Yeah. I mean, a great invention. I'd applaud for that. Um what what just the thing that i thought was so astounding and amazing is that they you know it starts off with them having installed the sliding glass door and shown how to do it and tim yep. says three words i've never heard before good job al and then <laughs> i i missed that and it's not followed by like oh amazing that with how fat you are you can do this and like mm, your big mom didn't no he just like straight up compliments <laughs> al for doing a good job and they move on with the scene it's because he knows that he's gonna trump him in a second. With uh, he's like, okay, you did a, you get a good job. I'm just gonna set this. That's a, that's a fine job. You did a good job, but it's not the more power job that I did. You know, and I'll take that though. I'll, I'll take that because the more power job winds up trumping Tim in the long run. <laughs> True. Yes. Um, uh, and so was that the thing you wanted to break open? Because I have a thing to break open in here too. But yeah, let's no, finish that- with the bit. No, no, that that was that was just the whole thing. I just I wanted to break that bit open, and that was it. But um, okay, here's so my been, thing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Here's here's the end of the scene. They Tim, of course, you know, decides, you know, even though that's great. Yeah, it closes on its own, but you know, it takes its 
damn time to do so. So uh, if you have a really ambitious mosquito that's trying to get in, uh, what do you do about that? I, of course, invented uh, you know a more powered version of this where it closes 10 times faster. Uh, and then he's like, Al, would you like to demonstrate? And and at this point, we don't even need words. Al just I looks know. into the camera. A, I, I really enjoy that they do give negative uh, negative airtime. Uh, you know, like they're they're they allow the jokes to sit in the negative space rather than f- trying to fill it with you know some sort of joke. Uh, that's one thing that I, I really commend the show for. They do that a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, they're, they're good about that, letting us do the work of filling in the blanks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most of the time. <laughs> Not yeah. all of the time. Um, and so Al just kind of steps off to the side, and he goes, okay, fine. Heidi, uh, would you like to demonstrate? And she's like, nope. Even <laughs> though this was a ripe opportunity for an I don't think so, Tim. Um, you know, I, I appreciated the negative uh, space anyway. It, so We're he strange. tries it himself, yeah. and... Of course, once he cranks it up, uh, the sliding glass door does exactly what you think it would do, which is shoot out the side uh, and basically cut a uh, stagehand in half. Yeah, no, we straight up see the guy getting helped away to the emergency <laughs> room. Tim Tim goes on to yell, oh, mention my name. We'll give you the Tim Taylor suite. Uh, okay, so right here, we have a fork in the road, and I need you to make a decision. Okay, okay. Truman? This okay. is this is your D&D. I'm the DM here. You need to make a choice. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, should I get out my dice? Yes, you should. Okay. Uh, on, on the left side of the fork, we have character actor corner. On the right side of the fork, we have the point in order that I want to bring up for this scene. Point. Uh, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna roll a choose the point of order check. Uh, what's the What's the DC for that? As I continue to alienate the audience who doesn't play D and D. Let's just say you you rolled a, a natural twenty. Ooh, um, hot damn! Okay, point of order. Uh, I'm gonna go back to your insurance point. Why does Tim hate insurance salesmen? It seems like he would appreciate them because they allow him to do the things that he does. Uh, yeah, that he's constantly getting checks from them, probably, because of... Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that. They also still sign his waivers to say, yeah, of course, he could still be on air. Uh, although, honestly, though, he probably he probably hates them because, yeah, they still insure him, but the premiums they charge are absolutely through the <laughs> roof based on how often he has to use his policy. Yeah, but I wonder... Well, yeah, I wonder how much Binford is paying versus what his copay is. Oh hmm. boy, that will be that is some next level interesting uh, conversation <laughs> topic. Look, I can say I think, I think we have to have your one of your parents on to try to answer that question for us. I, I Landon, don't threaten that because one of them probably would do it, even though they don't listen to the <laughs> podcast. And then we would have created truly the worst content of all time. And because I, although I love my parents beyond all reason, I've also spent most of my life listening to them get home from work and both talk about what happened at their insurance companies that day. And <laughs> I, I wish I had a sliding glass door that I could close that would keep me out of that conversation. <laughs> Tell you what, I'll interview them and you can stand on the other side of your apartment window. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, that would be great. But then I'd have to edit the podcast. I'd still hear it one way or oh, another. Oh, fair. Okay, all right. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I so I don't know the real source of Tim's antipathy towards insurance salesmen other than prolonged exposure uh, breeds contempt. Okay. Well, we went treasure hunting down that side of the fork of the road, and there was nothing there, so let's backtrack and go down the other one. Um, we are going to do a very quick uh, character actor corner for a character actor who has no lines, which is confounding because um, 
we've had characters with lines that I want to know the character actors of, and we don't have that information. So, uh, IMDb, get on it, man. Is that how your computer, does your computer work through voice commands now? You just boss your computer around? Exactly, exactly. The stagehand is played by uh, an actor by the name of Michael Munoz. I, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. M-U-N-O-Z. He's um, not He's not Frankie Munoz's uh, dad, is he? Muniz. Uh, Muniz. But no, uh, oh. it is not. Now, here's the thing. He is mostly known as a, a, a stunt person. He has 40 credits as stunts. Whoa. Yet, and most recently on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh. The thing is, he doesn't do a stunt in this episode. <laughs> like, we only see the aftermath of him being carried off stage. Because it was such a violent injury, they needed a stunt person just to represent how much pain he was in. That's It's uh, method acting. It's, it's very bizarre to me. But um, anyway, he also has 24 acting credits, which is why we're going to do a character actor corner for him. Mm. Uh, he, he goes back to 1992, um, where it looks like he was in maybe a, a reenactment on America's Most Wanted. Oh, yeah. Um, That's the juicy stuff right there. <laughs> Those are the good parts. <laughs> Uh, but he was also on the Fran Drescher, Drescher uh, series, The Nanny, um, the short-lived Weird Science uh, TV show. He was on um, Star. He was in Star Trek Insurrection, the Ooh, movie. I yeah. haven't seen that one yet. Don't get your uh, hopes up. <laughs> he was on Star Trek Voyager on a episode that I have not quite gotten to yet. Um, you don't know Jack the the. I think that was a... Um, yeah, the quiz show with uh, the Paul quiz Rubens. Show. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. With Regis... Yeah, exactly. So he was on that uh, as Jack. Mm. How about that? Wow. Um, that's a bit... That's a... He's, he's a lead role. He's a leading man. He... Last comic standing. Uh, all that. Do you remember that TV show? Oh, how would... I, only 90s kids will remember <laughs> this. Come on. Don't ask me if I remember all that. <laughs> Uh, bring out the dancing lobsters thank you very much most recently he was a skit actor on uh, Conan's TV show on TBS Um, that's all the information I'm going to give you was he on ER no wow that was so emphatic I'm I'm sorry I just I've made my mind up a little while ago and I've decided was he on ER (laughs) you could have stopped me 20 minutes ago um he was not on ER. Congratulations. Yeah. That's not why that it I'm matters because so we forgot certain. the we didn't get the the title. But uh, for your personal glory, well, thank you. Yeah, I mean that 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 still goes on my like that still goes on my stats. You know my yeah, tops exactly. my tops trading card for <laughs> the ER card. game. Oh my god, uh, I, I'm glad no one has access to photos of us because uh, I would not want anyone creating <laughs> trading cards of grunt work. I, people um, are going to find a way. We've put out promotional materials with our faces on them. That's that's yeah. gonna happen. Well, uh, anyway, uh, let's get back to the scene. Um, oh, I didn't. I didn't even say the guy's name. How about that? No, I yeah. did. I said Michael Minos. Okay. Yeah. God Almighty, I'm already. I, it's already hot. I'm already having a stroke. You, you said you said that you hadn't said the guy's name, and I was like, yeah, Landon didn't say the guy's name, forgetting that I had bantered with you about his name <laughs> and the fact that he might have been Frankie Munoz's uh, dad. So yeah, we're both getting stupid. Back to tool time. Something that I don't think has happened on the show before happens. The, we the, see the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah, it was so weird. <laughs> they just promote what they're going to do next week and then say, okay, bye, folks, and the music we plays get, and it we, ends. 
we get a little extended riff on the the tool time theme song which was strange in and of itself Mm -hmm. um and then something listen i i don't i want to presume that every person has been to a taping of a tv excuse me of a tv show um but just to pull back the curtain for a second it's not at all silent the second that the (laughs) cameras stop rolling like they do here there's about i don't know a half an hour to 45 minutes of commotion as audience members you know sloppily file their way out of the uh um (laughs) the recording space Mm -hmm. there's inevitably one person who's trying to get in touch with the producer trying to get their attention because they know them or there's somebody that has a script under their uh jacket because they want to hand it to tim allen (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> Richard Karn. There's always something going on that takes forever. But uh, what happens here? End of tool time. The audience stays completely seated. <laughs> they do not move, um, and they watch very silently as the scene continues. Bud uh, Bud appears off the the wings of the stage to um, approach Tim and say, "Hey, Tim, I I, I, no, I, I think that yeah, that's but- part of the appeal of a tool time taping, though, is that it's not just the taping of the show, you then get to be a fly on the wall for the real life afterwards. Like, the audience stays there until nightfall. Oh, my God. Uh, I would not want to be in that audience then. For any um, number of reasons. For yeah, any best. number of reasons, yeah. Yeah. Go on, then. Uh, anyway, on. so Bud approaches Tim and says, you know what? Hey, something occurred to me. Um, I don't think we've ever gone out socially. And, I mean, they have, because we saw Good, them get I'm massages glad. together. <laughs> and they drank sake together. Granted, it was, you know, trying to woo an affiliate. They uh, sang so, karaoke together. Yeah, I'd say you're doing social things within the context of business. In fact, wasn't the whole point of that episode prolonging the business part so that you could do social things? Yeah, I think so, yes. <laughs> uh, so, okay, if we're going to keep tabs on why I don't like Bud, he's a liar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's first and foremost. Next, um, what happens? Well, uh, yeah, so he, he invites Tim and Jill to uh, go out bowling with him and his wife and then have some dinner, and uh, Tim is real excited about this. And then Al here overhears this and says, oh, well, uh, you know, me and Eileen are huge bowlers and we're free tonight. And Bud just looks at him and goes, you're still free. Okay, so on the Bud checklist, Dickhead is also checked. <laughs> For no reason at all. No reason. Zero no. reason. And, uh, yeah, and then he, he, uh, just turns and walks away, and, uh, and if this was Arrested Development, Tobias would walk through going, douche chill! <laughs> uh, now, here's the thing. I think a funnier episode of this particular, a funnier variation of this particular episode isn't Tim dragging Jill to bowling, it's Tim and Al trying to bowl with Bud. Uh, oh, Yeah. So the fact that we're just like blatantly denied Al right out the gate, I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah, it's really painful to see what could be a much better, much funnier episode be taken away from us <laughs> with with an adamant. Nope. I, we, we acknowledge that that is a possibility and we're not going to do that. So fuck you. Not only do we know that you love Al and want to see him in an episode, we're going to be mean to him when we deny him the right to participate <laughs> in this episode. And by proxy, be mean to you. Yes. Um, we go to the theme song, unless you have anything more for that scene. Nope, 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 nope. Okay. Go to the theme song 45 minutes into this episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I we do had have... to talk about talking to each other through a window for a fair, while. Fair, okay. Fair. There was a lot of other stuff that's gone on. 
Uh, I noticed something in the the theme song. What did you notice, Landon? And if it, it involves the word calendar, again, no, I'm not going to be happy. I have not noticed the calendar in the theme song yet, but now because that I'm you mentioned it, you. I will be looking for it next week. Good. Uh, no. One thing I noticed is in the video game episode again, or the section again, um, there are, you know, there are different stories to the house uh, that we see. You know, the bathroom is upstairs, and there's a basement, uh, even a garage. There's a staircase in the background, which is fine, because that's how you typically get to a second story. But there are also ladders all over the house. (laughs) There's a ladder that is going right over top of the staircase. Yeah, because the home is being improved. (laughs) Oh, I got it. So I'm supposed to take it that, like, I'm not in the fourth wall looking into a dissected house. I'm literally looking at a house that has no right side to it yet. Uh, Yes, that's exactly it. That's been taken down. Tim has left ladders up all over the place because it's like a half-finished construction job. And so the the video game is actually them trying to get their things out of their bedroom, and Tim's more powered tools that have gone haywire are chasing them out of the house. I'm pretty sure that is literally the the plot of Power Tool Pursuit. Yes, that's got to be it, Landon. This is just this is just showing Tim's ideal world in which the the home is constantly being worked on and Jill only exists to do laundry and catch him in a wheelbarrow. Oh my god, perfect. Um that's all I have for that. You want to go to okay. the living room? I do want to go to the living room. Let's do okay. it. Randy's doing homework. Yes, he is. And uh and Brad and Angela, his uh fast-talking valley girlfriend come in yep. and we've uh, met her a couple times, so I'm not going to do a character actor corner on her, but her name is Kristen Clayton. Thank you, Kristen Clayton. We sing in your honor, I guess. Uh, but yeah, she comes in and uh, and very quickly explains to Randy that he, she's got a sister and she really wants to set her sister up with Randy. And Randy says, oh, is she like you? And she goes, hi, oh, yeah, everybody says it. we're just like totally the same. Cause we're... So um, <laughs> and, and Randy basically says, I'll like totally think about it. He gets real sassy with her. I, I like it. I like sassy Randy. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, he gets real sassy with everybody about everything, though. I mean, I like <laughs> sassy Randy, too, because that is the only yeah. kind of Randy we have. But I like sassy Randy when he's being sassy to the people that I would like to see someone be sassy to. <laughs> the, you you only like sassy Randy when he's sassing those who deserve the sass. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. He's the renegade sasser. <laughs> That, uh, not uh, not exactly a thrilling serial uh, villain, but uh, yeah, I'll, it's I'll go not for Charles it. Bronson. But no, you know, no. sometimes uh, there's some vigilante sassiness that needs to happen to very low grade annoying people. They don't need to be shot with a with a magnum. They just need to be sassed to a little bit. That you know, that's that's kind of like instead of Death Wish, it's like just RuPaul going around and dissing people who are being assholes. <laughs> I, would, I would watch the fuck out of that show. <laughs> I think that's basically what RuPaul's Drag Race is. I just want to expand it outside of the drag community to just yeah, RuPaul exactly. going around being mean to people, but just in a nice way. <laughs> going to Republican rallies, just sassing the fuck out of people. I just, would watch just, yeah. that so hard. Getting getting down on the spelling of their signs, demanding that we reopen the economy. All these things, yes. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we cut to, or we don't cut, uh, the scene continues in the background as uh, Jill has come in to make dinner. Tim walks in from the garage and just out of nowhere, audibly smacks Jill's ass. Yeah. Where did that come from? I don't know where that there, came there's from. There's been no precedent on this show for that sort of uh, 
uh, physical effect. I'm not necessarily opposed to that if it's consensual between two adults and, you know, um, that's the kind of relationship you have. It's just surprised me because it hasn't that precedent hasn't been set yet between Tim and Jill. So it was just out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, uh, it definitely was not, I, like, the precedent has been set that they have sex a lot, but, yeah. but he's never been, like, a, a butt-slapping dude, so I don't know yeah, what right. happened there. Um, I, I guess he's just that excited about bowling, you know, it just puts, it just puts a little spring in his step. I want to be careful about speculation, um, but, uh, and that's the same as, I like that person, but. Yeah. <laughs> so I well. want to be careful about speculation, but, do you think that was an improv? I was kind of thinking that, but I didn't want to speculate, so... <laughs> okay, don't you don't have to speculate any further. You can keep it at that. We'll just continue moving forward. We've put, uh, we put it out there, and that's all there is. Uh, <laughs> y- yeah, so uh, Jill is in the middle of making dinner, and Tim comes in and does the thing that all dinner makers love, which is telling them, Hey, stop making dinner. We're going out to dinner. <laughs> uh, yep. And uh, Jill's like, I can't. I have a, I have a, a psychology lecture to go to tonight. Um, Tim's like, but Bud has invited us to go bowling with him and his wife, and this is a ripe opportunity for me to start pitching him my ideas about tool time and building an empire, um, the the Tim the Toolman Empire. Yes, he's talking about potential spinoffs like Car Time, which is basically the show Car Talk on NPR. So you're you're burnt there, Tim. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, tool Time, the Next Generation. I knew you like that one. <laughs> uh, I did, and I started speculating about uh, much as we did way back in the day when we were trying to figure out which uh, Home Improvement cast member would be uh, which Avenger. I immediately started thinking which Home Improvement cast member would be assigned to which department on uh, the Enterprise. And, and what what have you come up with? Well, um, I think Al. While you would typically think it would be Spock. Um, yeah. I think he would be the chief engineer. He would be okay. the Geordie character. Yeah, I could uh, see that. The one that making things work. Yes. Um, and I think that Jill, uh, as much as it pains me to say, would be the number two or the number one, the the Riker character. Yeah. <laughs> and Wilson would clearly be um, uh, Ginyan, the guy 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 and god almighty i can't say it. the whoopi goldberg character okay having not watched tng i like i'm just i can't really debate any of these i'm just gonna go uh-huh uh-huh okay okay because <laughs> uh, she's the one that has all the wisdom she's lived centuries and she is the the kind of moral spot for uh picard um i think that uh that's clearly the wilson correspondence um mm-hmm. Then uh, I'm trying to think who's like the the Riley one on on you know Randy kind of has a little bit of the Riker swagger as well. He does have uh, he does have Riker vibes, but that's mainly that mainly yeah. owes to the actor more than anything. True, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark maybe would be Data. Um, I, yeah. I there's not a lot of correspondence there except that I can't picture Wilson, anyone else's Data. Wilson could be Data. Yeah. Yeah, I think just Data has just more agency though than Wilson ever does. But just picture Data standing behind a fence and giving advice. Well, that's why advice. that's why he, Wilson's more Guinan because Guinan's always behind the bar. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. uh, okay, something we can continue to think about in the future. And if yes. any of our listeners want to chime in, hit us up on Twitter. 
Yes, let us know. Let us know. <laughs> um, reach out to us, you nerds. Uh, so anyway, uh, Tim is excited about this as a business opportunity. So he uh, insists that Jill have somebody videotape her lecture, and uh, and he promises to let Jill in at the ground floor of Tim Taylor Enterprises. And uh, next thing you know, uh, they uh, they head off to the bowl. Well, they're at the bowling alley. Yes, we get a skyscraper transition. Um, the skyscraper shoots off like a rocket ship, taking the sea with it and we're brought to kind of the same bowling alley that we had uh it looks kind of like the last set but just uh, like the background has been changed a little bit uh you know there's no like uh food service or arcade or you know anywhere that uh management can come out from behind of which is what they did in the the first time we saw the bowling alley set yeah I well, and it's like I was kind of disappointed to not see an arcade because I was really hoping they would go in there and find that that kid who they handcuffed <laughs> to the arcade machine is still there, just a skeleton, <laughs> yeah, a skeleton covered in like hard and silly string, and and the managers are like, oh, nobody's been in this arcade for thirty years. Uh, but if you search the the nightstand, you find a part of a treasure map. Um, <laughs> got so many secrets and extras in this episode. <laughs> I am playing Red Dead Redemption, guys. Um, and so, yeah, we're at the bowling alley, and uh, I have lost myself in my notes here. Got it. Okay. So, Jill, uh, Tim says, you know, um, Tim and Jill are kind of off to the side before Bud and his uh, wife arrive. And Tim's, this is where Tim starts to give Jill some suggestions. Why don't Always you good. not talk about psychology tonight? We definitely don't want to upset or bore Bud. Just a huge miss. Just a, just a real woof. And the the second those words came out of his mouth, I'm like, that's what this episode's going to be about. Oh, my God. No, Buckle please. up, kids. <laughs> Buckle up. Uh, Bud shows up with his wife. Yes. His wife, Jean. Yes. The the lovely Jean. Um, uh, Landon, is, uh, what about this actress who played Jean? I'm sorry. I can just see the character actor corner coming, so I'm trying to preempt it. <laughs> you can't preempt character actor corners because you never know when they're going to come. Oh, I see. I see. So trying to predict it is is futile, and I should just live my life and recognize that the uncertainty of when I'll stumble into a character actor corner is what makes life worth living. Exactly. Okay. It's life affirming. Oh, all right. Well, I could I could use some affirmation in my life right now. <laughs> um, but so yeah, Bud and Gene arrive and they introduce themselves. Well, I mean, uh, you know, Jill uh, Jill meets Bud. Actually, I guess Jill has already meet, met Bud, but they they meet Gene. <laughs> they meet Gene they, for the first time. They do meet Gene for the first time. And Gene uh, tells Tim like, "Oh God, I feel like I know you. I love the show. I love the clever way you pretend to be so inept." So. <laughs> Whether or not Tim's bit is an act, at least people think it's an act, which I think is valuable yeah, information. That is valuable information. At least it helps to um, uh, allow us to understand why Tim can continue to have this job. Like, if he can fool general audience members, maybe, maybe he can fool insurance agents yeah. <laughs> to, well, to keep him in business. If they can make it past the screen door, at least. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, what else happens in the scene? Uh, 
Uh, so, uh, yeah, so the first words out of Bud's mouth are asking Jill how psychology school is going, and Jill says, like, oh, well, I wouldn't want to talk about it too much and bore you, but then Bud explains about how he went back to school to get his degree, he had to go to night school, because he worked really hard, and, yeah, that's a little, nice little bit of background on Bud, a little bit of Bud round. Um, and I, th- I thought in that moment, the, the layers of the onion would blossom a little bit, a blossom, awesome blossom, if you will. Yeah, a blooming and, uh, onion, yeah. Uh, we, you know, I thought, oh my God, finally we're going to start to see the character of Bud emerge and I'm going to have something to relate to him with. Um, no, that doesn't really happen. No, (laughs) he's developed no empathy, uh, for having to go through what he went through and seeing somebody else going through it. Yeah, they just wanted to dangle that in front of us for a second. That was all there is. (laughs) Just, just tantalize us with the possibility of us liking Bud. Is there anything else, any other big takeaways from this introduction scene uh, with Bud and his wife? Uh, no, none none in particular that I can think of. Uh, is this the, the scene? Remind me, my, my notes are a little... Okay, I, I want to pull back the curtain here on recording. Um, we pull back a curtains a lot. Do we ever pull the curtain? Like, uh, I'm all about transparency. Open. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Not always. There are a few things I want to keep hidden, but... Uh, Here's here's a uh, something you may not have known about home improvement. Um, if you pause it numerous times throughout the runtime and then come back to it, twenty two minutes feels like three hours. <laughs> or if you listen to our podcast about it, uh, it also <laughs> it feels actually like three is hours. about three hours. Yeah. Um, I, so while watching this episode, I had to like go get my lunch that was being cooked. I had to go get coffee. I had to go to the bathroom. I think I paused it maybe three or four times. So. And really edging yourself through this episode. (laughs) I I mentioned that only in that it's made me forget which scene certain information is uh, divulged. So I can't remember if it's this scene that his wife tells uh, Tim about um, the previous uh, uh, president of another company that he worked with. The vice president that he sent to Pakistan. Yeah, yeah. Was that this scene? Or is that coming up? Uh... That is, hang on, I think I'm it's sorry. the next scene. I think it is. Yeah, the it's next the next scene. one. Yeah, sorry, no, okay. I'm lost in my notes too. So we get a a bowling pin transition from that scene to a little bit later in the bowling alley, and we start with Jill throwing a strike. Yes, and the crowd goes absolutely nuts for her throwing this strike. You know what would have made me go even more nuts for it is what? if she still employed the same technique that she learned from Pete no. on K and B Construction, no. or that, that she, she taught, taught to Pete. She taught, yeah, yeah, she yeah, taught. yeah. I know. So I was she's really even lost her own technique. Too. Yeah, yeah. Like her weird kind of like like scooching and jumping technique. Like with how good the show is about continuity. Sometimes I was hoping that that would still be a thing here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, didn't though. But I still love that she got a strike. And yeah, uh, we we get a cutaway shot to Bud uh, annoyed that uh, he and his wife are losing. Uh, it also wasn't set up that they were playing against each other. Um, I guess you can kind of assume that, but. You know, from the get-go, but, uh, you know, I've certainly played many, many games where it's just four people playing to play. Yeah, yeah, I, it seems like kind of uh, kind of unnecessary then to, like, force people into teams. I guess it's mixed doubles stuff, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, Bud is also a total bowling Nazi. At one point, uh, Jill recommends getting some food, but Bud insists, no, if we have food down here, it's going to spill on stuff. I don't want to have to clean off my ball. Now, listen, Truman, uh, I Landed. do not want to... Uh, sympathize with with Bud on any way, shape, or form, because I just do not agree with his general attitude toward life. But I have to begrudgingly agree with this point. 
I mean, for me, it's not so much I'm worried about the stuff spilling because not the, the food getting onto the bowling ball or the bowling shoes will, if anything, make those two things cleaner than they were before. Uh, I, Wait, you what? Know, my, How so? Yeah, well, because it might push some of the bacteria off of it. <laughs> Like, okay. my, my bigger issue is just you're touching the bowling ball, you're touching the computer, oh, you're touching everything else, thing. and then yeah, you're right. touching the food. Like, unless it's stuff that you're eating with chopsticks, it's not going to be great. I hear, yeah, no, I agree with that as well, which is a big point to, you know, not invite food into that situation. Um, but the thing is, your shoes and your bowling ball are, the the consistency of their texture is of the utmost importance. So if you get just a little bit of mozzarella stick grease on your ball, or you step in something just a little, just a, a little droplet of beer that has fallen on the lane and it's on the bottom of your shoe, it's going to screw up your your um, approach to throwing the ball. And if you throw the ball with grease on it, that curve could go in any which way direction. Usually it ends up hitting a a grease spot and going straight when you want it to curve. So, Mm. um, I, I'm very much on board with, with bud in this regard, but, uh, I don't like how he approaches the subject. Yeah. He he could have been more diplomatic about it. So you agree, you agree with his reasoning, but not with the way he conveys it. Correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, that's fine. You take you take issue with his decorum. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, civility is important. I I understand that. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah. So he won't allow food on the lanes, and uh, Jill's like, "What? What? 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 Hold on." She starts to speak up, and Tim uh, chimes in to shut her up, essentially, and just says, "Oh, well, she needs to watch her weight anyway." Ooh. Ooh. Not a great episode. This also, this is not great because right before, uh, right before watching this, my girlfriend and I were watching a later season Frasier episode where, uh, to cover up for the fact that Jane Leaves is pregnant, they've instead written a storyline <laughs> where just Daphne has gained a bunch of weight and everybody's talking yeah. about it, which already doesn't like feel very great to have all these people shit talking a, a woman's weight behind her back and then to go right into this home improvement episode with that it was a real one-two punch of the 90s not handling things uh, yeah i can agree with that i i, I think you know i'm certainly I, i'm very sensitive to body shaming and and a bunch of other tropes that are in uh hollywood tv and movies i i i can see an argument for the fraser aspect in that I feel like despite some of the things they say, the intention behind it is this is a strange uh, transition for her. Should we be concerned and should we ask her about it? How it comes out is not that exactly. But uh, anyway, we don't need to go into that too deeply. Yeah, I mean, well, like like everything done on Frasier, it is executed more deftly and with more respect <laughs> than anything on Home Improvement. But it Fair, just yes. it was it was a pairing that I did not like at that moment. The, I the, can understand. Uh, the Brie did not go very well with that particular vintage of Sherry, if I may. <laughs> it's more like Brie and PBR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, ugh, that, God, PBR doesn't <laughs> pair with anything except vomit. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah, they uh, so. Uh, Tim says it's about Jill, and Jill gets angry and goes off to get a uh, 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 tub of popcorn with extra butter, and she takes uh, she takes Bud with her, or Bud goes off to get something else, and yes. then it's just Tim and Jean sitting together. Tim and Jean, and uh, they Jean takes this opportunity to lean over to Tim and says, um, "Do you have any idea uh, how many credits I have on IMDb?" Uh, and, and and Tim says, "Huh." 
Uh, it's character actor corner. We're going into for this actress who plays Jean. Her name is Beverly Banfield, and I Beverly Banfield. I'm not trying to over enunciate that. She spells it B E V E R dash L E I G H. So Beverly Banfield. That sounds like a Screen Actors Guild uh, <laughs> situation where there can only be one person per name, and her real name is Beverly Banfield, and she had to get creative. Her real name is Michael Keaton. Nah. <laughs> I, I'd pick him out because he his real name is Michael Douglas. Yeah. Which, that's true. That's a true story. Anyway. No, I know I know it's a true story. I'm just like, I didn't have a joke to go off it with, so I just laughed. I'm just, I'm just the audience right now. I like getting feedback in real time. Um, mm-hmm. She has 41 credits on IMDb. Uh, going back to the 80s, she starred in uh, the sequel to Roots, Roots the Next Generations. Roots the Rootening. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a Jordy Next Generation joke to be made there since uh, LeVar Burton played the original Oh, Kunta Kunta Kinte. Kinte and, um, yeah, anyway. yeah. Um, she was on a TV, a very short-lived TV series called The Curse of Dracula. I, it, mm. She played Christine. I kind of, maybe it was a limited uh, limited BBC series or something. Something I haven't seen and need to, clearly. Um, mm-hmm. She was on Emergency! <laughs> exclamation <laughs> yeah, point? Yes, it has an exclamation point. Uh, <laughs> she was on a TV movie called, this is Kate Bennett. Wait, what? Like, does Elli- it end in ellipsis? Yes, it does. <laughs> Lots of punctuation in her in her movie titles. Yeah, there's another one called "What's Happening Now." <laughs> wait, wait. Roots the next generation is that Roots colon the next generation? <laughs> yes, it is. Fuck. Are there any commas? Uh oh my god. That I think that's asking a lot. There are commas are a very rare thing, but she does have a lot of uh of colons here. Batman the animated series. She does a lot of voices. Um she mm. does Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. Uh she was in um uh I saw another one, Roots of the Next Generation. I guess those are all the colons that she has. Um she was in the very short-lived Karate Kid animated series. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, L.A. Then, Law. I'm trying wow. to find some stuff that might be closer to our ER game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've, got, I've got good data already, but keep going. Okay. The last one I want to mention is, most notably, she was on Night Court with Charles Robinson, who plays Bud. Uh, she played one episode uh, from 91 uh, as a character named Gilda. She was also on Murphy Brown. I'm giving you too much here. Was she on ER? Yes. She was on Family Ties. Aww. She was in a show called Burke's Law. Uh, but unfortunately, she was what? not on ER. God damn. Well, you could. As soon as I heard LA Law, I was like, well, then you got to be on ER at that point. That's <laughs> shit. She was on another show with, uh, with um, uh, another acronym TV show called Emerald Point NAS. NAS, what does NAS stand for? NAS? Uh, let's find out. Uh, the rapper? The lives and trials of the staff and civilian residents of a U.S. naval base. Oh, so not ER, I guess. <laughs> not ER. No. Uh, 
EP, Emerald Point. Anyway, that is <laughs> Beverly Banfield. Uh, let's get back to the episode. So, uh, yeah, so, but uh, Gene tells Tim that, uh, you know, oh, gosh, you know, uh, Bud is, is such a sore loser and he's so competitive. The last person who beat him at bowling, uh, he transferred him to, you know, he was a VP of development and he, he transferred him to manufacturing in Pakistan. Dun, dun, and, dun. <laughs> at Pakistan. And uh, <laughs> so Tim hears this and then Jill gets back and uh, Tim very quickly starts telling her, no, 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 you need to stop bowling so well. Like she's been having the best game of her life and Tim insists that she throw the games so that they don't get transferred to Pakistan. Oh, boy. Um, and I have thoughts and, and whatever, but for the sake of time, let's just keep pushing forward. Uh, we get a, a pin transition. Well, to, yeah. Well, I mean, just one, th- one. Th- I mean, because this is relevant. Like he's oh, trying to tell her, "Oh, you've got to throw the game," and then she is saying, "You know, she's saying, no, 'No, I'm not going to do that.' She's going up to bowl, and Tim is kind of falling behind her, trying to psych her out, and oh, uh, she hits him in. No, no, that's hits... the next scene. That's the next scene. Oh, no, it's not. But yeah, uh... no, no, it is. We she Gene oh. explains the Bud's competitiveness and that he's a sore loser. Loser. We get a bowling pin transition to a little bit later. Bud throws a strike, and he's now riding high, and Tim tries to high-five him, and Bud oh, basically right. tells him to fuck off, uh, and mm-hmm. that's where Jill is, you know, she's lining up to go throw the ball, and uh, uh, Tim gets a, a ball to the nuts while trying to distract her. Okay, okay, well, I'm, I I missed that. I did not realize the, uh, I did not realize where the transitions were at, uh, but okay, yes, that <laughs> that's what happens. Uh, and then we get a basically one of those uh, lane resetters when it comes down to reset the pins that sweeps the the scene away. Uh, not a lot to take away from it except that Jill is defying Tim and he's like, "I'm not going to throw the best game of my life." You asked me to not go to my three hour psychology lecture for something that's going to better me and to be here to basically be told what to do, what to say, what to think, uh, and you know, throw the best game of my life. Uh, I, and in these moments, I, the second that Tim got hit in the nuts was so cathartic to me. And this is where my kind of personal, uh, angst was awoken in this episode because (laughs) I've been in Jill's position having in certain instances been asked along to something and later find out in the midst of it that, oh, I was just here. I was only asked to provide entertainment from somebody for somebody who didn't want to engage with the other activity that is actually going on. Yeah. Like I've been asked, uh, you know, as kind of a, a, you know, monkey with symbols, like you're not going (laughs) to, you're not going to participate in anything else. But the second that I need something, I need you to be funny and take me out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That wasn't for like a significant other. So like, and it, it, yeah, I don't need to go into the whole details of it, but, um, Suffice it to say, I very much empathized with Jill in this episode, and Tim getting a ball to the nuts was like, my my heart cheered a little bit. The, the next time somebody invites you to do one of those things, you should, like, go, but you should just bring a bowling ball with you, and they'll be like, dude, we're playing <laughs> mini-golf, what's the deal? And it's like, if you get out of line, this is going in your nuts, so be aware. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, so the lane resets to the dining room where uh, we go to our subplot with uh, the boys on their double date. 
Yeah, yeah, it's one of those, you know, one of those double dates that responsible parents let teenagers have, where they just hang out at home while both parents are gone. Um, but well, yeah, there, I don't. I mean, there's never any overlap between the B story and the A story, so they could have them over without the parents knowing. I okay, I guess that's true. Well, there's an interesting aspect of that that we're going to cover in just a sec. Okay, but um, yeah, you know, Brad and uh, Brad and Angela are kind of talking and and canoodling, and then uh, and then uh, Angela's point of order. They are not yeah. talking. A little canoodling. Uh, they're flirting by rubbing pizza in each other's face, essentially. Yeah, I guess that that's. That's a pretty was, 90s move. It was gross. Uh, like, I love pizza, and I love flirting. Yes. I would yes. never just wave a, a slice of pizza under somebody's nose to go, hey, you know, and give them uh, flirty eyes with it. it I, unless it's like a... Disgusting. Unless it's like some sort of advanced role play where it's like something's going down at a pizza restaurant, like Fifty Shades <laughs> of Pepperoni. If that's the case, I'm role-playing the pizza itself. If there's actual <laughs> pizza involved in the situation, that takes precedent over anything else. <laughs> there, there can be no, there can be no uh, hanky-panky while the pizza is still out <laughs> and being wait, waiting to be eaten. That's... Exactly. I can't have a, a typical like pizza delivery woman role-play scenario where there's an actual pizza involved because I will invite the sexy person with the pizza into my apartment and just have them sit on the couch until we finish it and then feel too bloated to actually go through with the sex acts. Yeah. I feel like we talked about this last week. The notion of like, no one's, no one's in, no one's in the mood after that. Like the, like the, the only possible outcome of the sexy pizza delivery person is the pizza being wasted or potentially being put in the refrigerator and reheated on the stovetop the next day. Either way, it's not what you want when you order pizza. How do you reheat pizza? Okay, guys, so you take a frying pan, you put the piece of pizza that you want to reheat in it, you put it on medium heat, you wait for the pizza to uh, get warm enough to the point that the cheese is starting to bubble, then you take a spoonful of water, you throw that into the pan and promptly cover it up, let the water boil off, then you take a spatula and you scoop the pizza out and you put it on a plate and the pizza is crispy and hot and delicious and in many cases better than it was on the first night. And this is the single best piece of advice my father has ever given me. And, I mean, he's given me a lot of good advice, but this is revolutionary stuff, this pizza reheating technique. I am just so nonplussed by this. <laughs> Landon, I'm, I'm, I, are you nonplussed that I taught you something about pizza that you didn't know? No, uh, I, I'm nonplussed because um, none of what you just described makes sense. A, you have, if you have a stovetop, you have an oven. So why not just put the slice in the oven, which requires much less oversight? <laughs> no, no, dog, no, dog. That takes way longer. You got to preheat that shit. Like this, yeah. I can have your pizza heated up, and you can be eating your pizza within like six minutes of pulling it out of the fridge with my method. Pizza and water? How does that not just get soggy? It I mean, I understand s- when you add add water to a stir fry or you know to saute something to help steam the vegetables or whatever it is you're you're cooking there but dough bread you're you're talking we're talking about one spoonful of water you throw that in there and you cover it promptly the water boils off immediately and it just basically steams the pizza to get like to kind of reinvigorate the dough and add some moisture back into it but it doesn't make it soggy because it's such a small amount here's the predicament i'm in is that in order to test this, I would have to potentially waste a slice of pizza to experiment. <laughs> and I, I don't prob- know that I can go that far. 
I promise you wouldn't be wasting a slice of pizza. Look, the next time you want to come over here and drop something off, we will make a point of ordering pizza the night before. I will reheat, <laughs> okay. uh, and I will I will have a piece ready for you. I'll, I'll start. You text me when you're six minutes away, and I will cook up the pizza for you that way, and it'll be waiting right. out front. All right. Okay. We'll we'll see what what and then the I'll, future holds. And then I'll stand on the other side of the window and watch you eat it, and be like, "Good, right? That's yeah, pretty tasty, huh?" <laughs> Uh, um, I don't even know where we are with the scene. Um, it, it was some, fl- pizza was involved, and we got off track. It's either donut yeah. shops or pizza. <laughs> always throws us with this show. Okay. okay, so what? What's more weird and abstract than Brad and Angela flirting with pizza is that Jessica, Angela's sister, is like gooey eyed over this. Her eyes are the literal cheese melting off the pizza. Uh, <laughs> As if this is something that she's always desired. She's written about this in her diary. My goodness, diary, I can't wait until the day when I can (laughs) shove a piece of pizza in somebody's face and have them shove a piece of pizza back in my face. And until that day comes, I will be perfectly content to watch my sister do it, even though I am here on a date with a boy and have all the raw materials necessary to make that fantasy a reality. Uh, yeah, she's like actively just watching her sister yeah. and Brad flirt, which is so, and ignoring Randy. Like, can you imagine the girls at home watching this like, you've got Jonathan Taylor Thomas right there and you're ignoring him. So, okay, I think the the takeaway of the scene, and we'll go through the rest of it in a minute, but the takeaway from the scene is, supposed to be that Angela has prevented Jessica and Randy from actually having a conversation. I disagree because there's ample room in this moment when they're flirting for Jessica and Randy to be having a conversation, but Jessica is too enamored with watching her sister flirt to actually say anything to Randy. So I think the real problem is Jessica. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Jessica certainly... (laughs) Jessica needs to respect herself more, you know? She needs to be... She needs to Respect Randy. Well, she, you know, Randy's fine. Like, I'm worried about Jessica. Like, if she's letting her sister walk all over herself like this, who else is she letting walk all over Mm, her? Yeah. But Uh, I also want to point out the the exchange that the kids have here, because I thought it was pretty funny. Um, Yeah. When Angela finally chimes in and tries to ignite the conversation, um, she says, you know, to Randy, oh, Jessica, she loves pizza. One time at a Chinese restaurant, she asked for pizza, and they wouldn't give it to her. Uh, She should have just asked for a hamburger like me. And Randy chimes in and goes, you got a burger at a Chinese restaurant? And (laughs) Brad responds, yeah, you should have just done what I do and get a burrito. (laughs) I love love the notion of this Michigan Chinese restaurant that has burritos on the menu. That seems like a very, like L.A., sure, but Michigan, okay. Listen, I I think I've talked a little bit in the past about uh, the hometown that I grew up in and the, what passes for, um, Ethnic food there. Yeah, they're weird sushi with mayonnaise and stuff. Oh, no, no, no. The sushi with mayonnaise, I mean, that's, I think, a pretty regular thing. Uh, that you can, I, I've even seen that out here. But it was what was called the Brighton Roll, named for the city oh, right. it was in. And it had melted cheese down the center of it. So <laughs> clearly, uh, I don't want to say every uh, restaurant, ethnic restaurant in the uh, Midwest tries to Americanize itself. But certainly there are pockets of it. And uh, that holds true. For this, and I remember too, as a kid, like I did not like Chinese food, so I would go, and I, you know, I would ultimately end up only getting the almond chicken. But there were times where I'm like, "Do you have French fries? Can I just get something with ketchup?" Yeah, 
Yeah, okay. So I guess this this you see so related in this moment. You this this brought you closer to uh this brought you closer <laughs> to Angela than you'd ever been before. Exactly, yep. Um, um anyway, but, the girls leave, it's time to go. Yeah, but like every time every time Randy has tried to speak to Jessica, Angela will jump in and finish uh, Jessica's sentence so she yeah. can't even really get a word out. And uh the girls leave and yep. um Do you know where they go? Uh, they go to get in their mom's car. Uh, yeah, actually, they do. Uh, cause this uh, this character actor corner is portable. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. well, that's that's good. It's the it's the it's the uh, it's the road trip edition of character actor corner. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, playing Jessica, Angela's sister, is a character actor named Andy Eistad. Ooh, um, that is a Scandinavian name if I've ever heard one. <laughs> she uh was she played girl at prom in What Women Want. Uh, nice. She nice. was in this movie from 2004 called Paparazzi. Uh, I mm. think that's with Giovanni Ribisi, if remember. Nope, Robin Tunney. I was way off on that. Um, <laughs> we've, all, we've all made that mistake, dude. She was in Eight Simple Rules. Uh, mm. I think that was even before John Ritter passed away. Um, oh, wow. She was on Party of Five. She was... Uh, trying to find anything else that might diagnosis murder <laughs> do you, okay do you know the dick van dyke show oh uh, i'm familiar i'm familiar yeah is that the one where he plays it with his son yeah with barry van dyke yeah father son anyway uh she has 17 credits she was also on house mm, was she on to, e- you're... yeah i know i'm trying to pepper it in both ways yeah uh, both directions was she on er i'm gonna say no she was not on er she was not on ER. Fuck yeah. Okay, so so the answer the answer was no for all of them, basically. Like, I should have just said correct. no every time. We have that we have correct. a three yes. for of non ER actors. And the reason I thought it would be interesting is because I think statistically for how many character actors were on ER, one in three seems like a pretty good ratio. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I don't but like some weeks we have three out of three, so this is this yeah, is just balancing exactly. all that out. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, okay, out of that character actor corner, back to the scene. Um, Randy strikes out. Uh, Brad and Randy, they chat about girls for a little bit here. Randy just says, when I go out with a girl, I like to know she can actually finish a sentence, which is a real woke bay move for Randy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they just sort of they just sort of float away without cleaning off the table. And then Jill and Tim arrive back home, arguing about what happened at bowling. And before we get into the scene, I just want to point out that Jill walks in the front door and just immediately starts cleaning up the leftover pizza shit on the table and throwing God. it away without even any question of like, how did this get here? Who made this mess? <laughs> hey kids, clean yeah. up your fucking mess. Just like Jill is just th- like with it's, it's become second nature. She's so beaten down by this awful. I know. Family. I know. Why is there exhaust from the JTT junction trolley in this, uh, in this living room right now? I don't know, yeah, wait, but I have to breathe there? it. Yeah. Let me turn um, on the exhaust fan and yeah. just wonder what happened uh, in JTT Junction this week. Yeah. Or, or we could even go there unless unless we're not doing that. <laughs> ding, ding. No, we're going there. We oh. we, we have to this week. Okay, good. Because, we have to uh, every week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would, be, it would be a shame not to. The fans would revolt. Exactly. Truman, what do we do on JTT Junction? 
Well, well, oh, oh, this is we're mixing it up. Well, on JTT Junction, uh, we read from uh, the book Totally JTT by Michael Ann Johns, uh, which is a book about JTT and his his life and his loves and uh, how amazing he is and various uh, infinitesimal details about the towns he grew up in and also lately a lot of information about everyone on Home Improvement who is not JTT. Ugh, Truman, why are you explaining all this week after week? <laughs> oh man, it's it's oh god, is that what it feels like? Oh, Landon. Wow, you've really turned the tables on me. I feel I feel so so I had I known I was inflicting such emotional pain on you, I wouldn't be criticizing your uh your your recaps of what the what the subject is. This is terrible. Oh my god. Well, speaking of recaps, last week we covered um Zachary Ty Bryan's audition and casting on the show of Home Improvement. Uh, a little bit with his relationship to uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas behind the scenes. And uh, this week we're getting into uh, some Mark territory, some Terra Noah Smith territory. Oh, the, the mystery man who hasn't really been on the show much. <laughs> so if you're following along, we're on page 33. Uh, and Hold my uh, it goes a little something like this. With Jonathan and Zach set as the older Taylor boys, that left the part of the baby of the brood, Mark, to complete the picture. After testing tons of youngsters, the one who came ahead of the pack was Taryn Smith, barely seven years old. He wow. may have been the youngest, but Taryn was actually the only one whose family had any showbiz savvy. His mom, Candy, worked as a script super supervisor for movies. Not that Taryn got the part because of it, uh, his look and his natural abilities won him the role. Candy with a Y or an I? Uh, do you want to guess? I'm going to say I. Uh, it's with a Y. Ah, <laughs> shit. Okay, no chalupas this week, folks. <laughs> uh, but he did get started just by looking around his mom's... Oops. Wrong button. Uh, looking around his mom's work. As a baby, Taryn um, was a model for kids' magazines and clothing catalogs. He made so many the models. I know. Uh, he made the switch to commercials, but had never been a regular on a TV show until Home Improvement. Wow. Taryn may have been a bit more showbiz savvy than either Jonathan or Zach, but he also had to move away from home, at least temporarily, to co-star as Mark. Uh, Taryn, who actually lived on a boat built by his father for the first four years of his life, is that a native of San Francisco. <laughs> is amazing, and he, I wish that came out more in his performance. He's he is a native of San Francisco and lives on a boat. And my thought, immediate thought was, is he uh, the son of Paul Avery? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like some kind of like detective like i feel like anybody who lives on a boat has to solve crimes at least part-time yeah right uh like the bigger boys he had no friends in los angeles but uh because of the three-year difference in their ages taryn didn't immediately become uh close to them as close to them uh, they mean jtt and zach anyway sure. eventually though he did form a tight bond with zach not jtt i don't know why doesn't say well it. Be because Only at that Zach. point, because at that point, JTT had just gotten so big. I mean, how do you, if you're not in at the ground floor on that thing, it's tough to relate. Uh, like the others, Jonathan and his family had a decision to make: whether they would move permanently to Los Angeles or try to continue uh, to maintain two households. When Jonathan first got, uh, when Jonathan got his first series, The Brady's. Do we remember that? The Brady's. <laughs> the Brady's. 
<laughs> he and his mom weren't so sure that a permanent move to Los Angeles was the right thing to do uh, in such an uncertain business. And as it turned out, the Brady's wasn't going to be a long-lasting gig. Thankfully for humanity. Uh, is it, though? I think we could have done with some more Brady's. At least I a full think we season. Could not. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, but can you imagine transposing other 30-minute sitcoms to an hour-long drama? Like, what would what would the home improvement hour-long drama look like? Uh, that would be, that would be, I think it would probably just be called The Tailors. And, uh, yeah, and I think it would be, the whole thing would just, a season-long arc of Tim and Jill's divorce. It would be Wait, the thing we've talked about for this, this so whole time. I checked out of the show, but is that what The Connors is? After they killed off Roseanne, did they make it a one-hour drama about John Goodman's character trying to pull a family together? Uh, no, I think now it's just a show that occasionally does gimmick live episodes and isn't very funny. Uh... <laughs> okay. Um, uh, anyway, where was I? Uh, as it turned out, not a long-lasting gig. Okay. But by the time Home Improvement came along, things had changed. It wasn't so much that JTT uh, knew the show would be a hit. No one did. Uh, Jonathan recalls, quote, The script made me laugh, but no one knew if that meant the show would be successful. He figured... Uh, that it would be uh, that would probably would appeal to a wide audience. Quote, people can relate to the struggles between the siblings and the parent issues, as he put it. Uh, <laughs> interesting <laughs> that he's looking at it through the kids' point of view, that the show's <laughs> going to be relatable to kids. Anyway, um, but that still wasn't a formula for great ratings. Almost done here. Uh, even ABC, the network that picked it up, couldn't predict its popularity. Although each actor was required to sign a standard contract of seven years, uh, Jesus. it was doubtful that it, uh, many thought would it would last that long. In showbiz speak, Jonathan confides, quote, they only guarantee us seven episodes, unquote. Uh, Wait, he, that, well, is that showbiz speak? Which of those were that? There was no lingo in that. That's like, I know. I Bring that up with Michael and Johns. Um, <laughs> as he well knew, uh, that wasn't much of a commitment based on the 26 episodes that it takes to make a full season. This is definitely 1990s because there are very little 26 episode TV shows these days. Yeah. Um, Can't do time, that anymore, I tell you. <laughs> at the time, it was believed that Home Improvement would uh, succeed or fail based on America's appetite for Tim Allen's comedy. But since Oof. humor is so subjective, no one could predict if enough people would find it funny enough to keep it on the air. Tune in next week when you find out whether or not Home Improvement lasted beyond its first seven episodes. The world may never know. I'm <laughs> I'm certainly on the edge of my seat. <laughs> That's the end of JTT Junction for this week. Uh, let's get back to the episode already in progress. Yes, yes. We now return you to this episode of Home Improvement, the show that may or may not continue past its seventh episode. <laughs> so, Tim and Jill are arguing as she's cleaning up, uh, and he is blaming Jill for making Bud angry. Yes, and Jill in turn is angry at Tim for making her miss a lecture and throw a bowling match and insulting her and basically treating Jill like she's an appendage and expecting oh, her to uh, do everything that uh, he wants at, you know, no matter the cost to her. Like your <laughs> quote-unquote Binford wind-up wife. I, she, the words that she's using, how she's expressing herself here are like, Almost word for word outside of the Benford references, uh, fantasy conversations I've had in my own head. Yeah, yeah. The, the, this is I like Jill. Jill in this scene again. Like occasionally, Jill, um, Jill will be angry and and give voice to all of the things that I've kind of been waiting for Jill to say for most of the show. 
you know, and Tim also retorts to her at one point, like, so like, oh, well, Binford doesn't make a wind-up wife, and I'm your little wind-up husband whenever you want me to go over to a friend's house for dinner, which is just, you it's know. It's night and day. That's not, you're, Tim's not sacrificing anything to go, except to maybe catch a football game or work on his hot rod. He's yeah. he's not it's not like Jill saying, oh, I know you have an episode of Tool Time to record today, but, you know, could you really I'd love to have you come to this book club for me and, and put in a good word for me. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm very I'm upset with Jill here. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan. I, I'm or you mean you're upset with Tim here? No, I mean, I, I share oh. Jill's upsetness. Uh, I, I, phrase, ups- I phrase that very poorly. <laughs> I, along with Jill, are upset here. Am upset here. Okay, well, we both fucked up how we're trying to <laughs> trying to describe our feelings, but I think people get it. Yeah. Um, we get a brand- band-aid transition uh, yes. to the backyard where Wilson um, is being serenaded by crickets. Yeah. And, and, you know, Tim comes out and asks him what the hell is going on, and Wilson explains these are his pet crickets, and... Uh, Tim asks Wilson if he ever has had any normal pets. He said, I had a marmoset once, but my ocelot ate it. (laughs) And then Wilson says, you are an odd duck. And Wilson goes, ocelot got that too. (laughs) Which I think is probably joke of the episode for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And Tim makes some sort of offhanded comment about Jill, which is equally annoying to assume that Wilson's going to share in his gripes. Uh... But then Wilson goes, you know, Jill actually told me about bowling with Bud. And uh, immediately I'm like, there's a missing Wilson and Jill scene that we weren't privy to. Where's that? Yeah. Bring that back. I want that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I feel like that would be a much more uh, enlightening scene. Because the Wilson and Jill conversations are always better than the Wilson and Tim conversations. <laughs> so it's like they're saying like, oh man, we had an awesome cut of uh, prime rib. But uh, yeah, here's some, here's some fucking McDonald's hamburger yeah, for you. Yeah, this is the second time in this episode where they, they allude to better decisions that they could have made and didn't. Um, anyway. This episode is just rubbing it in our face. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, we even wrote those scenes and we did a cold read of them with all the actors and they were hilarious, but we didn't film them. <laughs> so uh, Wilson tries to give uh, Tim some advice and Tim actually tries to spar with Wilson, says, hey, you know what? Uh, my mom always said, good things come in small packages. And uh, Wilson's like, oh, interesting. Uh, you know, yeah, because it's. I think Wilson's line is, a man who's too wrapped up in himself is a very small package. Well, my grandma says good things come in small packages. And then Wilson's retort is basically, mm, interesting, but your wife isn't talking to you. <laughs> I, I, I loved the kind of parting of the fence to just show the reality of the situation that Wilson yes. does there, where it's like, Listen, you know, I'll be kind and, and try to help you along to you getting the point, but if you try to challenge me on that, I'm just going to tell you straight up what the fucking deal is. <laughs> yeah, Wilson will cut you right down to size if you if you put him in that position. <laughs> um and uh I want to I want to put an earmark on this uh scene because it's going to come back in our grunt count. Um I have oh, questions. Okay. Oh, um, yes, I know what you're questioning. But we get a uh slide transition to tool time. Uh, where Al is taking a toothbrush to the countertops, and they're talking about the resourceful tool man and what uh, things they could do around the house um, using unconventional means. Yes, this is the uh, this is the segment that they were promoting at the end of the tool time segment at the beginning, which is yeah. good continuity. Yeah, I know. Way to go! Clap, clap, clap. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
But so they use toothpaste to remove some rust uh, from a countertop, and then uh, for how to get uh, how to get paint off your fingers, they open up a fryer machine right there and pull some French fries out. And Al explains so you can use it to uh, use French fry grease to get uh, paint off of your hands. And then he said, "Oh, and you can even snack on the fries that aren't uh, covered in acrylic or semi gloss." <laughs> and the whole time I'm watching this, just like, well, wait, but. But you're get, but the ones that do get paint on them are wasted. Then you're wasting fries. <laughs> Why not just separate out the grease and then eat yeah. the fries with your clean hands after? And if, if the whole point is being resourceful using things around the house. Just use soap and water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't waste or, perfectly good potatoes and French fries and fryer grease. A, a real a recurring theme in our show, and I think the times that we've been uh, recording now that we're doing separately, is just us being upset and going way in depth on food stuff that means nothing. Like, like what what kind of things do you find at a donut shop? How do you reheat pizza? Why would you do that with French fries? Like, what's wrong with us, Landon? <laughs> I don't know, but I have another one coming up in just a second. Um, oh, great. Uh, they're talking about uh, removing – how do you remove varnish off of, uh, you know, uh, brass or, you know, other kinds of uh, metals around your house? And I'm thinking it's tarnish, but it could be varnish. Tarnish? Varnish? Well, uh, I mean, metal can metal can get tarnished. Let's call the whole yeah. thing off, but I'm okay. saying. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm yeah. happy to call the whole thing off for sure because this is getting long in the tooth again. Um, but the, the way that they're going to um, take off the <coughs> arnish is um, <laughs> using ketchup. And uh, Tim's like, it's the vitamin C in the ketchup that actually takes the the urnish off. And Al argues, no, 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 it's not the vitamin C, it's the vinegar. Uh, And they start going back and forth over this. I thought it was going to lead somewhere. Um, And it just leads them to argue more. My question is, why are you using, if if it is the vinegar in the ketchup, why not just use vinegar? Why are you using ketchup? Yeah, I know why. Well, like vinegar, which mainly is there to be used as a, for cleaning purposes, versus ketchup, which has a variety of household uh, applications, na- uh, here, namely for eating. Here's something that I think maybe happened backstage at tool time. Tim was so caught up in trying to impress Bud that he didn't do any preparation for this episode of Tool Time, and instead, As to usually they're like, "Well, this whole thing." There's this, you know, kind of annoying argument between Tim and Al in the background where Tim was supposed to bring the materials and didn't, and so he tries to blame it on Al and saying, "You know, why, you know, why weren't you prepared for this eventuality?" And now we got to use your lunch to do. <laughs> <laughs> to do our, our bit. So he just takes Al's french fries and ketchup that he was going to use to eat his lunch. And now they're doing a whole Tool Time episode based on this. You know, I I love it when I'm at work and I bring my fryer with me and I just fry <laughs> up a big basket of french fries for lunch and nothing else. <laughs> to be fair, this is Al we're talking about. I mean, that is an Al. That is totally an Al move, but only because he built the the fryer like with his bare hands. <laughs> and, and it's a shock that it's not cowboy themed. Uh, uh, yeah, true, right? Anyway, um, they, uh, what happens here? The Tim and Al, uh, or Tim and Bud, they start to discuss bowling. Do we get another end to tool time? I don't remember that happening, but I, I, I think they, they throw it to commercial or something, but then they're okay. talking to Bud and Bud, uh, challenges Tim to a rematch of bowling and Tim yep. says, oh, no, 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 not going to do that with Jill, etc." And basically just, you know, to, it, it, Recognizing that the episode is almost over, they just have Tim kind of blurt out all the shit that all the secrets he's been operating with thus far about like, yeah. uh, you know, I heard, you know, I don't want to get transferred off to Pakistan and have to start doing turban time. Um, oy, oy, oy. Now, 
I I think let's just say it so we can say it. Okay. Turbans aren't a Pakistan thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm glad you brought that out. Uh, just, okay. So that's just set. And then, um, (laughs) yeah, but, uh, then Bud explains that in fact, the reason he transferred this person to Pakistan is because it was his, uh, brother who was a bad employee who was embezzling money from the company. And so he built a plant in Pakistan so he could transfer this guy there. And my question then is like, well, wait, why not just fire the guy and report him (laughs) to the authorities? Because Uh, at that point, you're basically covering up for embezzling, which in and of itself then is fraud. So now now you're, all you're saying is that I am further breaking the law. <laughs> True. Um, but to me, that alludes to a much larger story going on with Bud, which is that if it was his ex-brother, in, or not ex, but his brother-in-law, that would mean that it's Gene's brother, which means that if he couldn't fire him, then he couldn't fire him for a reason, which would mean that he would be upsetting Gene's father. So Gene's father actually has uh, sway and hold over Bud the way that Bud has over Tim. Uh, okay, so it's, just a, it's a constant constant chain of, like, a fish being eaten by a larger fish. Exactly, a snake eating his tail, yep. Yeah, okay, okay, infinity here on Tool Time. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, but so Tim learns this, he feels a lot better about, about it, and they make a deal to uh, get together, do some more bowling, and actually talk about Tim's plans for mm-hmm. uh, the future. Uh, and then we get a door transition to back home. Tim walks in yep. with some flowers, and Jill wants none of it. She just says, no. <laughs> and then a blur through the scene, a, this strange-looking <laughs> creature wanders through who, yeah. who, who bears no resemblance to the child that they claim is Mark in the opening credits. The creature formerly known as Mark. Uh, yeah. Going from the upstairs to the garage, where I presume he's been working on Tim's new hot rod. The way that yeah. he, he worked on the previous hot rod. Yep, yep. That invisible labor of uh, <laughs> of Mark doing all the work. Uh, but Tim tries to offer the flowers to him, and Mark just goes, "Nope." <laughs> yep. Continues on his merry way. The only uh, appearance of Mark on this show. I definitely, at some point in the future, want to do uh, a Taron Noah Smith or Mark corner of some sort. I just don't know where we'll get the material to do that. Because um, this, where this boy did... needs some justice done to him. I, I really do want to do like a serial style podcast about what happened to Mark on Home Improvement. Like, what was he doing in those seasons when he was barely on the show? Was he going to school? Was he building a hot rod in real life? Yeah, he's doing all those flying lessons. Um, I guess, but he does. He is really getting a chip on his shoulder, and uh, there's no story plot point as of yet as to why beyond just general teenage angst. So um, I'm, I really want to start digging into that. I can't wait till we get some more Mark episodes in the future, but um, that's neither here nor there. They moved to the living room. Tim and Jill moved to the living room onto the couch to um, talk about it a little bit further. Jill explains everything. And this brings me to a point. Um, I don't want to prolong this any longer because uh, I said there's a point of order last week and I didn't bring it up. So I'm bringing the Uh-oh. point of order up now. Which okay. is, what up with how many magazine subscriptions they have? <laughs> Their coffee table is un, it is not visible through the amount of magazines that they have. Well, you know, they didn't, back before the internet, magazines kind of were the internet. You know what I'm saying? Fair, yeah. And she probably what is a website got a discount? not a magazine. <laughs> she yeah. probably got a discount having worked with Inside Detroit. 
Uh, okay. Yeah, those could those could all just be her her old uh, issues of Inside Detroit magazine. Oh, and she's doing clippings yeah. or something. Uh, lots of magazines there. Anyway, um, I'm glad I stopped us to talk about that. So no, she, no, no, it, it's worth. It's like a doctor's office. <laughs> she, I think it's more than a doctor's office to be perfectly honest. But um, she continues to explain exactly why Tim was an asshole. Uh, yes, and and pretty much calling back to the stuff that we've um, that we're talking about at the beginning, where she says like this stuff. This stuff's been happening ever since you started working for Bud. Remember that weekend where we just wanted it to be just us, but then it became then Bud wanted you to do something. Then it became just you and Bud. And she basically says, I'm scared as as long as Bud says jump, you'll say how I, and I'll be the one who gets landed on. Yeah. And then she says something I want to set up for how this episode concludes, which mm-hmm. is she kind of like, she stops and she goes, listen, I don't want to stop your ambition. You know, I don't want to get in the way of that. And the way that this moment kind of wraps up is Tim kind of realizing that he was a jerk and that he was being irrational. But then he says, listen, if my ambition gets in the way, just make sure I know about it. That is not her responsibility, Tim. <laughs> a, it's not her responsibility. And B, whenever Tim ha- Tim's ambition has gotten in the way and Jill has let him know about it, Tim dismisses her immediately. So yes. it's not like Tim not knowing about it isn't the issue. Ugh. It, it bothered me. And so anyway, they, they kind of end this by, you know, uh, Jill saying, you know... Why don't we, uh, I, I, I know a way you can make it up to me. Why don't we head upstairs and uh, we block out a three-hour three chunk of time. And Tim's like, well, after you hit me in the balls, I don't know that three hours is going to be enough. She's like, well, uh, that's just how long that the three-hour psychology lecture is. <laughs> and I... Womp, womp, <laughs> You womp, womp, womp that. But I can't think of any better penance than Jill forcing Tim to sit silently in a chair and listen to a three-hour psychology lecture. <laughs> I would rather watch a three-hour-long episode that is just Tim being uncomfortable with that, <laughs> but being forced to do it. That would really make me happy. <laughs> oh, we go to our stinger. We're back in the bowling alley where uh, Jill and Jean are playing alone, presumably. And as we pan over, we see Tim and Bud on the next lane uh, having their private competition with one another. And, uh, yeah, and when... Um when Tim, uh, you know, it looks like Tim is trying to throw the game so that, so that Bud can win, and then Bud says, hey, you know what happened to the, you know where I transferred the dude who, uh, who uh, like, threw a game so he could lose to me on purpose? And Tim says, Turban, and the guy says, and Bud says, no, Fez. Here's my question. Yeah. I mean, outside of what you've already blatantly pointed out, uh, why is being sent to another country penance? Yeah, you know, I mean, I have to say, if I had to be sent to another country, I wouldn't want it to be Pakistan for a number of, like, political reasons. Like, it does not seem like a particularly stable nation to live in. Uh, Yeah, I I don't don't get it. And that's fine because, you know, for the original joke or the original point when it was just Pakistan, but now you're creating a pattern with your joke saying, I just send people to other countries when they disagree with me, which is like... You know, I would love to go work in Spain. Maybe it's because I'm a single dude and don't have a family that, you know, I would miss (laughs) or have to relocate. Maybe I'm talking out of privilege here, but uh, I don't know. Being sent to Morocco doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, if you're, you know, I feel like the the real key is if you're you're doing a gap year or something like that, you just, uh, 
you uh, you just make a point of working for Bud and then telling him uh, <laughs> telling him things that make him unhappy and just see where you wind up. You know, I'm crossing my fingers for Scotland. <laughs> oh, uh, then we go to the outtakes where uh, we get a little bit between Tim and Wilson. Um, where Tim tries an improv and it's about as funny as you think. Instead of saying my my aunt or my grandma used to say, he said my uncle Bobo used to say. Yeah, and then and then we get a really confounding one. Well, I want to point out: Do you think there's any connection between Tim the Toolman Taylor and his ancestors being Professor Bobo from Mr. Science Theater Three Thousand? <laughs> Uh, no, Landon, because I respect Professor Bobo from Mystery Science Theater 3000 way too much. <laughs> Professor Bobo feels more like one of my ancestors, if anything. Oh, man. Um, and then we get another one with uh, Tim and Bud in the bowling alley dancing. Like, yeah. It, it's like, it's like, it's that last scene that we just talked about where Bud says, Fez, and Tim goes, ah, oh, and he just goes, Morocco, and he starts, like, dancing. Yeah. Yep. And I'm very, I, I... I don't get like and I I don't know. I mean it's again like I don't wanna I don't wanna like like I don't wanna take shots at Tim Allen, but I'm just like that was the that's the improv, huh? Just like saying the thing and dancing. <laughs> and that's where you know, you hear stories a lot of times of like uh obviously I've just gone through all of the next generation, so as I'm being exposed to behind the scenes stuff, you hear a little bit of Patrick Stewart getting annoyed with other actors being unprofessional. Uh and by unprofessional, I just mean they're having a good time on the set, and and Patrick yeah. Stewart's just really, you know, let's get through these lines, and you know, he he cuts loose at times. But anyway, it's one of these moments where I'm like, I not Bud because I do not reflect on that character or empathize with that character, but with Charles Robinson, the actor, you see him deliver this, you know, perfect line delivery. Like that's exactly the thing. There's no reason that Tim needs to fuck it up with a really unfunny improv, and prolong the workday a little bit longer that's the sort of thing yeah. that i'm like come on if you flub a line that's one thing but just to like unnecessarily throw that in there as another actor i would be annoyed with it <laughs> yeah but yeah. To, to charles robinson's credit he doesn't seem to get annoyed and he joins in the fun dancing with tim uh so he, he has much more <laughs> scruples than i do Charles Robinson's like, hey, man, this is a job, this is a paycheck, and the longer you drag this out, the sooner we're going to get into meal penalty, and the producer's <laughs> going to hand everybody 20 bucks, because that's how the union rules work. Oh, my God. We have one more thing to cover in this episode, which is <gasps> the grunt count. Yes, that is what we have to count. Uh, Landon, what do you think the grunt count is? Truman, this is, I got to tell you, I'm glad that the Chulupa challenge is already off because I would have to make a Sophie's choice here that I don't know that I'm capable of making. Uh, mm -hmm. These are your waters. I, I recognize now how difficult your job is. Yes. Uh, that Wilson scene, right? The Wilson scene, the one we earmarked, he says something as soon as they start sparring back and forth and uh, Wilson throws out a contrary note to him. Tim just goes, Oh, mm -hmm. or he, he does. Hmm's. In the style of his grunts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He does the pattern. Because he, he does that pattern, that hmm-hmm-hmm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But... Here, here's my question to you as to yeah. whether or not they could theoretically be grunts, and I think I've made this argument to you uh, already in the past, but uh, what does a grunt sound like? <laughs> okay. <laughs> now... You're... <laughs> now... <laughs> do, do exactly... <laughs> 
This is like when my okay. little cousin would get the taboo buzzer when we were playing taboo, and uh, <laughs> she would just stop every person's sentence. Um, what? Okay, do that exact noise, but do it with your mouth closed. <laughs> that looks fun on the waveform. That's like a caterpillar. <laughs> it just sounds like you're doing a, a disturbed tribute band. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's just me pretending to ride a motorcycle around. <clears throat> okay, so it's still gravelly. So then my guess is you did not count these as grunts, in which case this would be a zero grunt episode. Uh, it is correct that I did not count those as grunts, but this is a three grunt episode. Are you fucking joking? I, I am not fucking joking. My my note here is uh, grunt count. Guess three question mark. And yeah, but it, I, my question mark was regarding the grunts that we just discussed, not another grunt cluster. No, no, no. There was, like, it wasn't even a, cl- a cluster. Like, Tim does a a kind of high-pitched, confused grunt, I think, at the bowling alley when he's talking to Gene, when he hears, like, oh, you heard about the guy, what happened to the last guy who, who beat him at bowling, and Tim goes, huh? Like that. And there's, like... Two other ones in there at some point. I like. I, I I cannot remember specifically where. My brain is mush at this point in the episode. But there were two other individual grunts that happened. Man, that did count. So I I not inadvertently guessed the right thing and then talked myself out of it, not even knowing that I had guessed the right thing. Oh my god! This well, is welcome where... to my pain in the ER game, sir. I I hear you. I hear you. Had the chalupas been on the line for this, uh, I would have been kicking myself really really hard. Um, yeah. And you know thank, why? Well, thank why? Because there are a few people that are counting on those chalupas. Oh yeah, who are those people? And do you have anything you want to say to them? I want to say thank you to them, uh, and and I'm sorry, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, for any number of reasons, a joke that we've made before. Uh, and those people that I want to apologize to beyond our general listeners is uh, Farah. I want to apologize. I'm sorry and thank you. Uh, I want to apologize and thank you to Manbach. I want to apologize yeah. and thank uh, Spencer. I want yes. to apologize and thank Mason and TJ together. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, They're, both at once. I'm, I'm tag teaming them right now. Uh, oh, that's good. I hope they appreciate that. <laughs> I want to thank and apologize to Cheyenne. I want to apologize and thank uh, Michael. And I think that's it. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, you know what? I, I just I just want to quickly jump in here and say that I want to thank all of them as well. Not as profusely as you just did, but I also appreciate them and their good works. Uh, because grunt work is made people... people It's made it's, people... It, it, grunt work is people! <laughs> oh, my God. The secret had to come out at some time, guys. Um, yeah, I know. That's why we have so few Patreon subscribers. <laughs> if you become a Patreon subscriber, we promise not to eat you. Uh... So if you don't want to be eaten and you enjoyed today's show and want to help us create, uh, continue to create this content, consider becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over at our Patreon. That's right. For as little as $1 per month, you'll get access to our exclusive bonus content like our Greek, uh, our like Greek. our Greekly, our, like our, our big fat Greek wedding, I guess. <laughs> like we, our, we serve up every single Gruntwork Nights episode with a little bit of feta on it. Yeah, which sounds actually wonderful. I would subscribe to our Patreon at that point. Like our weekly Grunt Work Nights episodes. And you know what? We would also argue about how to properly reheat uh, those episodes or the people who our show is made oh, out of. Oh, man, I've got deep opinions about that. Uh, if you decide to subscribe at one of our higher tiers, you can also get access to a number of other fun benefits. And uh, still, uh, for the next week or two, our Patreon is free. We will not be charging 
Um, so if you want to, if you're ever curious about getting access to our archive of Grunt Work Nights episodes, now is the time uh, because you will not be charged. So get yeah. on that over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Um, but if you want to do something uh, for free and not get something for it, except the uh, <laughs> knowledge that you have uh, benefited us in some way. Uh, if you want to volunteer. <laughs> consider leaving a rating review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to ep- uh, episodes of podcasts because it is the fastest way. Listen, okay, you might hear this a lot. Listen. It's the fastest, easiest way to support us and uh, that it puts us in, in, in front of other people's ears to listen to the show. We've said that many times. I'm sure you've listened to other podcasts where other people have said that, but it's true. It's a it's a true fact. It, it is certifiable. <laughs> Uh, because of algorithms, guys, the, the numbers that are coming in, they're going to get triggered. It's, it's not a, a fair shake. I understand this. If you leave us a rating or review that bumps our numbers up and that's going to put us as a higher priority in the algorithms and we need to stand up against the algorithms and win our freedom back. I, yeah, you know, I I mean, you you sounded a, a little bit like some of the people who were protesting at state capitals the other day about like getting our freedom back and liberating Michigan or whatever. Uh, but I I, okay. I, by I, I large, I agree with you. Dude, we do not want any ratings or reviews. We do not need to be liberated. Well, now, well, no, okay. I didn't I didn't mean for you to pull it back that far. Definitely rate and review us. Don't ever go back in time. Don't listen to the show. Never delete us from your podcast apps. Never subscribe to us again in the future. Um, all good pieces of advice that I fundamentally agree with, but uh, it's not really good for us in the present. <laughs> Stop by to say hi to us on Twitter or Instagram at GruntWorkPod, uh, and you can find information on today's show on our website, which is www.gruntworkpodcast.com. And you can sign up for our weekly newsletter there that I have been uh, relinquishing my duty on that. Not relinquishing, I've just been neglectful. Uh, apologies, guys, it's been a busy time. Um, a lot, go- lot going on. Give him a break, okay? Until next week when we bring you another episode of Home Improvement. I've been Lannon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, at bowling alleys, how when you'd get a strike, the score computer would do a really weird computer animation of, like, the bowling ball being, like, an asteroid and it's hitting a planet full of <laughs> dinosaur-shaped pins. Like, do you remember that? Like, yeah. isn't that just kind of fucked up? Like, it's weird. Do you remember that? Uh, I, I'm back in the pencil and paper days, so, uh, no, I don't. Well, that was pretty fucked up. Yeah.